Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar, and today I'm joined with our Senior Editor, Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam. Hey, how's it going? Hello. And uh, Sam is not Sherlin. Sherlin is on vacation for the next few weeks, uh, taking a well-deserved break. So everybody send her your well wishes on Twitter. Sam and I will be talking about Samsung's Galaxy A event, uh, which we just uh, did a live chat over here uh, on the Gadget uh, YouTube channel. Um, We'll also be diving into some other things. Uh, My review of the Mac Studio is up too. So uh, I'm excited to talk more about that thing. Um, So much power in, in a little box. I really appreciate it. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can always email us at podcast at Engadget.com. Typically, we do a live stream uh, of the podcast recording uh, on Thursdays around 10 a.m. Eastern. It was delayed a little this week because of the Samsung event. Uh, but hey, we're still here and we still got a good crew. So join us, please. So, Sam, we have more Samsung phones. We have the Galaxy A uh, 53 5G, which looks like uh, it is only 5G. It's not like last year where there were uh, multiple A52 models and there's an A33, which is an even cheaper phone. Uh, can you give us the rundown? Like what is new and fresh about these? Right. Um, so this is kind of like, you know, Samsung's continuing of like kind of beefing up their mid-range portfolio. And so like, like you said, that the big thing about the Galaxy A53, it seems it has kind of like more comprehensive 5G support across the line. Um, and so it's going to be available on from all the big carriers, AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, which is nice. Um, so you don't have to really worry about that. And obviously unlocked models will be available too. It starts at $450, which is a really good price point. Because if you think about it, the S22 starts at $800 for the you know baseline S22. S22. One FE, which came out at the beginning of the year, is seven hundred dollars, and so did so, they confirm the U.S. pricing for these? Sorry, just because yes. the, the stream was just like pounds, right? Or yeah, the, euros, the stream was so. pounds, but uh, I, yeah. I did some digging. It was and, euros, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so uh-huh. the official U.S. pricing is four forty nine, and it will be available okay. March thirty first, um, and pre orders oh, yeah. yep, yep. will be uh, going up very shortly. Gotcha. I don't see anything about the A thirty three in the U.S. Do we know if that's headed here? I and that's the one I'm not sure about. Uh, I'm still mm-hmm. waiting on more info for the A33. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know, e- even even going back to last year, Samsung has really been like pushing the A53 as like their main bread and butter mid range phone. Um, and for those who uh, weren't uh, in the chat before, 
Um, there is, it doesn't seem like there's an A73 this year, so they just kind of lopped off the top of the uh, Galaxy A series line. And so the A53 is kind of your new, like, you know, uh-huh. big uh, he- highlight uh, A series. I guess that makes sense. And they just announced the uh, the S21 Founders Edition, right? Which uh, mm-hmm. that's cheaper than the current flagship line. So I guess that takes the A73 role, right? Yeah, and right. And that's, so that's because of the late timing for that one. Usually the uh, fan edition comes fan edition, yeah. comes mm-hmm. out in the fall uh, the previous year. And, you know, because of the global chimp crunch, it seems like, you know, they just couldn't do that this year. So it came out at the beginning of the year right after CES. And that was $700. And so in a lot of ways, you're right. That That's kind of filling the shoes of the A73 that we didn't get. Um, like, we, you know, a lot of people might have been expecting. I'm seeing a couple uh, stats around the A53 that were just like really surprising to me at first. So first of all, uh, four camera system. Um, we'll talk more about that. But also 120 hertz display. Uh, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty, uh, that's really nice to have on a mid-range phone. I know a lot of Android phones are doing this, but I'm coming more from the land of iPhone where it's like I had to go to the iPhone 13 Pro to get promotion. And last year it was only the, uh, the Pro Max, right, that had it. So Apple has been really slow to bring high refresh rates to their phones. Um, and I am just so spoiled by these things. Like to me, that was a big upgrade, just like smoother doom scrolling on Twitter, uh, smoother, (laughs) like everything, basically. Like all we do is scroll all day and have that not irritate your eyes and just kind of look better Uh, was a big like quality of life improvement uh, for me. How do you feel about this one, Sam? Uh, I absolutely love it. You're you're, like you hit it on the head. It's just like, you know. Samsung has been really trying to expand that high re- refresh rate availability displays across a lot of its devices. And so it's really nice to see that come down to, you know, a sub $500 phone. Uh, I'm with you. It's like, it, it's like kind of like, you know, when you're talking about, you know, what do you do all day? You're, you're looking at screens. And so you want to, if you're sitting at a desk, you want to have a nice monitor. And if you're looking at your phone, you want to have that high refresh rate display because it does make a difference. It's, it's subtle, but like it's one of those things. It's like once you get used to it and you go back to a 60 hertz phone, you're like, ooh, what, what is this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we just reviewed, uh, Sherlyn just reviewed uh, before her vacation, the iPhone SE, the latest iPhone. And coming in at a similar price, right? It is slightly cheaper. Um, it's 430. Yeah, it's 430, uh, 429 technically. I don't. If you're like somebody who can both rock Android and go iPhone, I have no idea why you would go for the SE over this thing, because this thing is just like feature packed, um, more features than even the base like iPhone 13, to be honest. Um, how like how are you feeling here? Like, I do feel like there's a bigger divide than ever when it comes to like value. Um, I suppose that's been always been true for Android, but the mid-range phones used to kind of be awful. The, you know, they they had less build quality. The cameras weren't as good. They weren't as fast. And it seems like we've kind of gotten over that hump. And Samsung and a lot of other Android makers are just, like, making these excellent mid-range phones. I Yeah, I don't know what the point of the SE is anymore. Or at least I wish the SE was better and Apple's entire line was, like, a little more modern, just like that. The, the SE always kind of felt like a missed opportunity for Apple because you're right. You look, the, the, the newest SE has one rear camera. This thing has three or four, depending on how you look at it. Right. Um, it has the... Three cameras and, like, one depth sensor. Right, three right? cameras it's, and one depth yeah. sensor. And it has the 120 hertz refresh rate. They both have 5G. Okay, that's great. And like, but the the SE has a much smaller screen. Um, and I think, you know, it's weird because the SE is kind of in that weird, an interesting like 
niche that like it's for people who still want that classic touch id home button which right you know right. it's nice don't get me wrong but at the same time and it's got a you know a really good uh processor on the inside and so you're going to get really great performance but aside from that not as much has changed as right. i think some people might have wished um the design is really like holding that i've held <laughs> that's, that's the iphone 6 too. design basically that's the iphone 6 design has super thick bezels especially around the top and bottom and you're looking at the a53 and it is a gorgeous like edge to edge front screen you know and a really nice big screen too like significantly bigger um yeah i don't i don't i don't know what the calculus is here uh for apple but okay very exciting anything else you want to shout out like what are how do those cameras look i know there's like there's a macro camera now which i really appreciate on the 13 pro very nice to see that in a mid-range film like this too yeah uh, i gotta admit i'm not as much of a macro fan i do generally prefer telephoto um i'm always finding myself like i just want a little bit more reach when i'm taking cameras or taking photos but i do like that they have it on there and i think the macro uh, the macro cameras to me is like something that's like you take a picture and you don't realize like, oh, wait, I can get this close. And you like you can, can get, get a surprising close. amount of detail. And so I really like the fact that it's there at all on top of having, you know, what looks to be a pretty solid uh, main sensor and ultra wide camera to, uh, on top of that depth sensor. So if looking at specs, 12 megapixel ultra wide sensor, 64 megapixel main sensor, 5 That's megapixel depth sensor yeah. and 5 megapixel macro sensor. 64 megapixel main means you can crop in pretty, pretty nicely. Right. So even though it doesn't have a dedicated, you know, uh, optical zoom, you do have, uh, you know, that ability to crop in a little bit. And then just to kind of round things out, there's a 32 megapixel. So pretty high res uh, selfie camera. Gotcha. Meanwhile, the uh, the iPhone SE has what? A 12 megapixel? I believe so. Yes. Just a 12. Mm I, uh, yeah, we scored that thing 80, which I thought was surprisingly low at the time, but in, in perspective and in context with like Android and everything at this point, yeah, sure. Totally makes sense. Oh, and, uh, I and hope just, Apple, just yeah. to confirm, it's a seven megapixel, uh, selfie camera on the iPhone SE. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anything else you want to mention about these phones? I mean, they're exciting. I kind of wish, uh, I know they're really popular too, uh, worldwide Samsung sells more of these than like the flagship S series. Um, these are really nice, but also like. It makes me wonder, like, why would you even get an S series phone, right? Or is it just for? Are those just for the Uber nerds at this point? Because you can get a really great phone experience that'll last you, you know, several years with an A series at this point. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and altogether, it's a really good phone. I mean, there are some small differences in terms of like, you know, you talk about the A series gives it that premium luxury feel, and so they, you know, Samsung mentioned, oh, it's got a bright screen. The screen tops out at 800 nits, which is nice, but it's 1300 nits on the S22, and right, right. Um, even higher on the S, uh, the S22 Plus and Ultra. So you know, you're you're definitely looking at those levels, and it's the same thing if you step down to the A33. It's got a 90 hertz screen instead of 120 hertz. So it's you know, you can definitely see where like you know those price breakpoints. And you really got to decide, like, you know, how much you want to spend, how much you're comfortable spending on a phone. But I, I think to your point, it's like if you don't want to spend a lot, do you have a really compelling, at least, you know, on paper phone uh, for under $500 with the A53? For sure. And also, and uh, like, what is this competing with on the Android front, right? Like people are mentioning, John O in the chat has mentioned, like, yeah, this is a direct Pixel 6 competitor. That thing is going for 450 That thing looked really nice, too, although we've noticed... Uh, typical google like software issues around that but in terms of hardware in terms of features pixel 6 versus this thing like do you have a preference 
Uh, I would probably still go with the Pixel 6. The Pixel 6 is mm-hmm. about $200 more expensive, give or take. The Pixel 6 is kind of, to me, in a different class just because it has, like, that glass design. You know, and it's interesting you see, like, Samsung talking about their, like, new design. And it's not – it's kind of contour cut, but then they smoothed everything out and they gave it a new name. And so it's like, you know, you definitely see there's a gap between, you know, what companies consider as their mid-range and then com- jumping up to the flag uh, flagship level, per right, se. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, Pixel 6 is 600 bucks, uh, just to confirm. I was thinking there was a Pixel under, would it be the 5A? Yeah, there's the 5 and then the Pixel 5A, yeah. And so those, to me, the Pixel is kind of a different thing. It's like, especially the the Pixel like A series stuff, they really go for, hey, we're going to put really good cameras, you know, very similar to what you get on like the flagship Pixels. You get a nice OLED screen and you get a very simple design, and that's about it. It's it, The A-series definitely feels more bare bones compared to Samsung's new A53. Um, for sure, for sure. Yep. So in terms of, like, under 500 bucks, uh, mid-range Android phones, this seems like it is top of the heap right now. Yeah, I, I, how, how would you... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be, like, itching to review this because, like, yeah, you're, you just you hit it. Um, It's like, this seems like a really good space especially for the specs and for the value um it'll be really interesting to to test this one out definitely it seems really exciting and uh, hey i think mid-range phones are always a little more exciting than the flagships because it's a struggle to like fit in good hardware with a decent price point Mm -hmm. Uh, are there any like oneplus devices uh or anything else that like would be a competitor to this um there's uh there's some more motorola phones actually right Um, right oneplus if you like not counting the Nord series, the you know we're still waiting to get the OnePlus Ten in the U.S. and that's a much more expensive device. Um, so it's really Moto, the the Pixel A series, and obviously the the new A fifty three are kind of your gotcha. main main contenders. Gotcha. So main takeaways from this, it seems really impressive. We don't know as much about the A33, so uh, U.S. pricing for that will be really interesting to see. Um, but anything you want to call out for that one? Because we basically spent time with the A53. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's the A33. It looks, you know, you're still going to get some some manner of 5G support and uh, that 90 hertz screen, which is very nice. Um, and it looks like, you know, we're getting IP67 water resistance for both phones, which obviously great to have um sure. and then you know the kind of iterative software updates so you're getting one ui 4.0 across both devices or 4.1 across both devices and you know a lot of the new security features that come along with that gotcha gotcha all right anything else you want to mention about any of these phones sam uh i did notice that it was kind of interesting that they called out 25 watt fast charging which is the same as the s22 but it's still slower than the 45 watt fast charging you get on the S22 Plus and the S22 Ultra, so it's kind of I interesting just, to see how you know Samsung mm-hmm. is approaching charging speeds on on its new phones. I just hope Samsung is very very careful with all that stuff. Whenever I hear fast charging, I think of uh, you know warm chargers, and I think of warm chargers, and I think of exploding Samsung phones. So mm-hmm. hopefully we're well beyond that. Um, I mean, right now I have a car that I'm also worried about, like batteries having fire issues. So. Electricity and batteries are is hard. Those are hard things to deal with. So I hope Samsung has figured all that out. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, hopefully we'll be reviewing this one soon. All right, let's move on to a review of the Mac Studio, uh, or at least my review, and uh, chat about it. I really like this thing. It's a cool mini desktop. It's actually kind of funny that um, 
I'm reviewing, I reviewed this thing right after I reviewed the Intel Nook 12 Extreme, which is basically take the PC mentality of a mini desktop, right? Like fully configurable, fully upgradable, um, a little more annoying to put together. It's not as seamless, but uh, in terms of value and upgradability, like there's a lot going on with the Nook. Uh, Mac Studio, very, very nice. Uh, check out my review. Uh, I gave it a score of a 90 because I think it is uh, it is kind of exactly what a lot of Apple uh, Apple fans, and especially creative professionals, have been asking for. A very, very powerful little desktop, more powerful than the Mac Mini for sure. It has kind of all the ports you need. Uh, it has several, uh, I think like four Thunderbolt 4 USB-C ports, but it still has USB Type-A, has HDMI, um, just like all the good stuff you'd need. Uh, and it starts at 2000 bucks, which to me, um, that is kind of a deal for the power you're getting because... That that model starts with the M1 Max chip, and to get like a MacBook Pro, like the 14 or 16 inch MacBook Pro with that, that would cost you at least 2,800 bucks. So you get a decent amount of power. Um, so like for video editors and stuff, I feel like that's really compelling. Step up to the $4,000 uh, M1 Ultra model, and you just get like a ridiculous amount of power. And I was lucky enough to have both here in my home office and test them both, and uh, cool stuff. Just really cool, like really fast. So, um, yeah, I, I want to yeah. ask you about like, you know, because it, it starts at $2,000, but then if you want that M1 Ultra chip, you're looking at $4,000 and that's, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty lot. big jump. But people in this price range, you know, people here who are making their living editing 4K video or 8K video or whatever, 3D rendering, they are already spending like three to $4,000 on powerful rigs, you know? So like, I think that's it. Right. In, you got uh, to make sure you put it into context in that, like, you know, they actually really are targeting professionals with especially the, the new M1 Ultra chip. For sure. And uh, you know what? This this has been a rough thing for Apple because it seems like for years they forgot how to actually cater to professionals, right? Like, what did we get over the last uh, decade, right? We got a failed trash can Mac Pro, which took years for them to, like, get just get away from that because it overheated and the design was so bad. Then they introduced the iMac Pro in 2017, and that thing started at uh, $5,000. And in our initial coverage, we were like, who is this for? Like... It's not it's not upgradable. It's not like right. and, as and, fast as it should be. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that didn't make sense for professionals. It's like you said on it's it's not upgradable. It's like, you know, put put the computer guts in a separate box so that hey, I can have a nice display and keep that for years. And if I want more pro- uh, performance, you know, I can get a new desktop and not have to worry about changing literally everything out. Exactly, exactly. And then then in uh what was it, twenty nineteen, they gave us the redesigned Mac Pro that everybody was waiting for. It's a beautiful machine, you know, really <laughs> it's nice. It's even box. more expensive. It's more expensive. It starts at six thousand dollars um at the base level. And once you start adding like maybe more hard drive space or more RAM or something, easily you could be spending fifteen thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars plus on a single desktop. And it really seemed like Apple was thinking okay, the Mac Pro is really just for professional studios. You know, like people, uh, industry houses, uh, big VFX companies, things like right. that. Right, it was like completely out of touch for the normal person. Right, so never normal, not even like a normal, like creative professional, I'd say. Like just elite performance. And uh, that thing was so, uh, like so far removed from consumers. Like they never even sold the Mac Pro in Apple stores. Um, you had to like, it was basically a custom order thing as if you were buying a server or something. It, it, was, it was designed for like Pixar it. to make like yes. blockbuster movies on. 
Exactly. You could even buy it in a server rack. So like just rack it up like you would, uh, you know, in a studio or something. So to, for this thing to come in uh, with a decent amount of power for 2000 bucks and for double that power, because the M1 Ultra chip is basically two M1 Max chips like stuck together um, for 4000 bucks, all of a sudden, like that pricing starts to make sense. The only big downside, which I noted, is that it's not upgradable in any way. So this is truly a sealed, you know, mini Apple desktop um, because the because of the way the M1 chips work. Right. Uh, the, the way the RAM works, it's soldered onto the board because it's shared between the CPU and the yeah. GPU. And it's in the chip like the, the RAM is on the M1 chip. So because uh, Apple wants you wants both the CPU and GPU to have direct access to that. So it's a unified memory architecture. And the cost of that means you can't just, you know, throw in a new stick of RAM. Also, I was surprised, like, you can't even just, like, open it up and stick in a new SSD or something. And Which I think, you can do on the, the Mini. Oh, yeah, you can do that in the Mini, huh? That That is weird. I feel like um, Apple's just so in love with their, like, beautiful, uh, seamless designs. Like, just just give me a port on the bottom or something. Like, if, if Sony can give PlayStation 5 users, you know, an SSD port on a, on a freaking game console, I think Apple can kind of make it work. On a, on a system that's actually meant for professionals. And that would give it more longevity and stuff. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Sam, but, you know, uh, in the, like, throughout the 2000s, even the iMacs were, like, upgradable to a point. Like, there was a little slot underneath the screen where you turned it over, unscrewed it, and you could put in more RAM. So it's not as if Apple um, has not thought about this stuff before. But I do feel like, yeah, that's the one big downside Um I will say this, like when you're specking out uh, the Mac Studio, uh, I do think like the hardware for a lot of people, maybe the hardware will be fine. Um, let me just look up my stats here. Yeah. Oh, and one one other thing, I, I small thing I appreciate on the Mac Studio. Hey, there's there's ports on the front now, which like yes, fantastic. Thank you for finally doing that, Apple. Exactly. Um, ports up front, two USB-C ports, uh, one micro SD card slot, because thank you. Um, photo editors everywhere. Be like, oh, thank you. Yes, finally. Yes. Remember, Apple remembered ports exist. Apple remembers type USB type A ports exist. And I really appreciate that. My one thing is like, I feel like the headphone jack should be up front, you know, because I know a lot of video editors and a lot of folks are like, well, I'm, I'm always plugging my headphones in and out. Um, it is on the rear. And it is right next to the power button. <laughs> and I'm like... That's the last that... thing you want to do. You go to plug in your headphone. Oh, suddenly exactly. my project is closed and shut down. Yeah. I mean, it, your system would just go to sleep, I guess. But it's also like that like heart-stopping moment of where your computer goes blank and you don't know what's up and if you saved your data or anything. So uh, I question that design decision. Uh, but beyond that, like this is pretty good. I think the really interesting thing um, is that maybe people won't need to upgrade the RAM because Apple is doing a decent job of, uh, you know, of of actually sticking in a good amount of hardware. Right. And it, like the, uh, it comes with a base 16 gigs of RAM. Is that correct? I think even more like and this is what I'm trying to like look up in all my all my searching. Bear with me. All my searching. Uh, OK. The base uh, M1 Max model comes with 32 gigabytes of RAM. Oh, That's pretty okay, impressive. Yeah. And, and a 512 uh, gigabyte SSD, you'll definitely want to upgrade that if you're actually doing work. The base uh, M1 Ultra model, which starts at $4,000, starts with 64 gigabytes of RAM. So 
you're you're getting a lot of memory in there for the price, and you probably won't need to worry about upgrading. But um, I will tell you, my uh, my review model for the M1 Ultra had 128 gigabytes of RAM, Jeez. and just like the raw power in that little like 7.9 pound box, 128 gigabytes of RAM, a 20 core CPU, just ridiculous amounts of power. Um, it was uh, yeah, it it made me feel like I went Super Saiyan. With computing power. Um, the benchmarks and stuff all basically make it seem like the M1 Ultra Max Studio, twice as fast in almost every way as the M1 Max model. And the M1 Max model, pretty fast, like faster than any like 10 core uh, PC we've seen. Um, go check out the review, go check out like some of the benchmark stats. Um, I think my main thing is that it is still a Mac, right? So you are limited to doing Mac stuff uh that means no gaming or at least very little gaming you've got apple arcade and you've got like a handful of steam titles which run fine shadow the tomb raider actually ran decently um over 60 fps um on the let me think here on the max model it was 30 fps at 4k and as you scale down like it would get faster and faster uh you're never gonna buy these things to game uh it's more like Count yourself lucky if a Steam developer uh, decide to make their game compatible. Um, whereas with a PC, once you start building out PC, you could do you could do anything, right? You could be playing Elden Ring when you're not working. Um, and also, there's like no access to anything for VR on the Max too. And if you're working in 3D, I know a lot of people who like having a VR headset nearby, so they can actually go in and look at their assets in different ways, or just like play VR games too. Uh, so I do think like. These are strictly for creative professionals, um, not as much for people who want to do like more fun things with their hardware, I guess. Um, but hey, that that is what the Mac audience is really looking for usually. I hope uh, Apple comes up with a way to maybe uh, use these GPUs in better ways for games. Like maybe give us a give us like an emulation layer, yeah, uh, similar to like what Steam is doing with the Steam Deck, um, I was just about or to say what that. Valve is doing. So like there there are ways to do it. We know that these chips can emulate Intel processors really well because they they have certainly ran x86 apps really well. Uh, so like games is like the big thing for me, and even then VR is gonna be you can't emulate that. You have to like really support that. So overall. I really like the Mac Studio. It is not for regular consumers. It is for people who need to do some freaking work. Uh, but for those people, the, this is kind of the machine they've been waiting for. Uh, any thoughts, Sam? Like, how do you feel about this? Um, I mean, I really like that there's a step up from just the Mac Mini. And I think it's. I, I think it just really fills, fills in a good gap of, hey, you want something more powerful. You might not be, you know, have a graphic design studio who's going to pay for your machine. And so here's this thing. It's more affordable than the Mac Pro and it's pretty fast. I was going to say, would you feel like, you know, for most people, if they're like thinking about this, just stick with the the M1 Max version. And then if you know that you have like a specific use case or whatever where you need that performance, then you can think about that, you know, $4,000. For sure. Like. If you are working with 8K projects, if you're working like 8K video and huge, huge files, then yeah, you may need the Ultra. Uh, but you know what? Like I, Apple gave us um, uh, a Final Cut Pro project that was mastered in 8K, and I was able to like export it and you know test the timing and stuff. The both models like exported that like 35 second video in 22 seconds. Uh, the M1 Max was like a fraction of a second slower in terms of like encoding that video into 4k. Um, the, the M1 Max was like two seconds slower. So that sort of thing, like if you're mastering a big project over and over again, like those couple seconds could add up for some people. 
but again, if you're if you're just dealing with plain 4K and you're not like juggling the massive files, then you know I think the base model will last you a very long time. Certainly, like audio producers and stuff, um, where you you don't even have as big files. Um, it's just video or just audio. Um, like to me, that is a better sweet spot. Uh, but it's nice you have the options. Um, the sticker shock is there, but if you go look at a PC that's comparable. You know, you're going to be spending uh, a similar amount of money. Yeah, I mean, even uh, if even you're like, more. you know, if you can find one, you can get like a, you know, a 3080 GPU, you know, that's going to be, you know, 700 to 1000 bucks depending on... Uh, 3080 at this point? Right, like, and I'm, I'm okay. talking nor- normal yeah. prices, not like scalping yeah. pandemic prices. Yeah. Absolutely. Market price for 3080, even this, the market price was what, $1,000, right? Something, so, yeah, right, right around there. There was that, um, but yeah. Uh, pandemic prices, chip crunch prices means a 3080 is going for 2000 plus at this point, even more from what I've seen. Um, so there you go. You know, you have all this power uh, in a combined, in a cute little box. Uh, it fits neatly on your desk. It is kind of big, um, but I, it's more like a design statement. You know, it is something it's like, hey, look, I'm serious. I'm a serious professional. It's kind of like what people who had some of the early IMAX, uh, it, it was like a design statement. It kind of, um, told you you had succeeded in a way or showed off to the world that you were a type of designer. Um, I feel like this is that. It's not like the Mac Mini where you probably just want to hide that thing. It doesn't need to be up on your desk, really, or it could just be in a corner. Um, so I will say that, like, as a design statement, it's very beautiful, too. And uh, I think it's really cool. Check out my video review over at YouTube and check out my full review at Engadget.com. Let's move on to some other news and, uh, you know, just a few things this week. Uh, But I want to shout out the Disney Plus teasers because Disney is on a freaking corporate roll. Uh, We got the teaser for Miss Marvel, the the new show uh, featuring uh, Kamala Khan. She's a New Jersey teenage girl. She gets like captain marvel-esque powers um it is it's really cool i like the comics i think the show and the uh the teaser we have seen look really fun and uh she's played by iman Vellani. uh do you have any broader thoughts about this sam like it looks fun to me it, it seems like less of a oh my god here's another like mcu um you know, dour thing, uh, certainly more fun than like, uh, Falcon and the winter soldier, I think. Absolutely. This is like the most Disney plus show that like Disney has come out with yet. It's such a perfect, you know, it's, it's hitting at the, like, you know, we're making a Marvel show for teenagers, but still taking on some, like what seems to be some like more, you know, heady topics. And as a Jersey City resident, I love that it's like, hey, it's not in New York City for like everything else in the Marvel Universe uh, seems to be. Um, And I really love it. And I also like kind of find it interesting how like I used to watch Stargirl um, and that was like a really wholesome kind of similar, similar show. And this seems like they're just doing they're just one upping Stargirl in a way that's like kind of trashing on the CW. But at the same time. Uh, you know, that's kind of what Disney does. So, you know, it's interesting from that uh, perspective. That's what Disney does. I mean, yeah, they're just, uh, they're just very, very good at it. I mean, it seems like they just have so much more budget and they have like, you know, I think they give creators a little more room to kind of like have, you know, do interesting things like between how Loki turned out and how WandaVision was really interesting too. Like they're still constrained by the boundaries of the MCU, but at least like 
on TV, the creators have a little more freedom than they do on the movies, at least. Yeah, so and it kind of appreciate that. And mm-hmm. it also seems like they're kind of playing with the art style a little bit, or just like the you know cinematography in terms of like they're bringing some of that like more comic booky effects in there, which I I, I think it's fun. I, re- I appreciate that. It's fun. It's also like I don't like stretchy powers in general because they tend to look weird. <laughs> yeah. But- We'll we'll see how this one go, uh, goes. Like, uh, yeah, Kamala Khan is very much into like having a big fist and beating people up. Um, it seems cool. We also saw the the teaser for Obi One, uh, Obi One Kenobi, uh, bringing that show back. And I just want to say, it is weird the effect that Duel of the Fates still has on me. Like, I, I definitely I like I, I noticed that right away. Yeah. It's like, oh, bring bring me that those Damn Phantom it. Menace vibes. Yeah. I'm tired of Tatooine. I'm tired of Obi-Wan. I don't care about any of this. And then Duel of the Fates starts. I'm like, damn it. You got me back in. Um, but yeah, this is uh, Ewan McGregor's back as Obi-Wan, like as a slightly older Obi-Wan. We have already learned that Hayden Christensen is going to be back as Darth Vader, which I'm really interested in seeing because I like him as an actor, even though the prequels did not do much with him. It certainly looks more Star Wars than like, uh, oh, Book of Boba Fett did uh, which was a fine show that was like a saturday morning sci-fi thing that eventually like transformed into a season bridge for mandalorian too which some of that stuff was really cool uh but that was really small scale you know it felt like they never really left the sets whereas this is like um looks looks like huge sets you're on battleships you're on like <laughs> you've got uh, inquisitors running around my only thing is good god what did they do to rupert friend i don't it doesn't work like a, a character who is basically um, like a bald Darth Vader, I guess, or like Darth Vader without the mask and younger. Uh, he looks he looks bad. And Rupert Friend is an actor I really like from things like uh, he was on Homeland for a long time. Um, not not so much here. Let us know what you guys think. And uh, yeah, what, what do you think, Sam, of all this stuff so far? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think like if you if, if you look at like Star Wars shows and movies in general i think the two biggest like gaps in the like star wars history is what happened to obi-wan and vader during the gap between you know the the main star wars series and the sequels that came later and then what happened to luke and i think in certain respects the mandalorian and the book of boba fett are kind of filling that in and you know now obi-wan is kind of filling that in on the other side and it's like i think we people just want to find out what happened in those years that we didn't hear about um, and so I really, really like that. Um, as long as you could tell a compelling story, sure, I'm down. Let's just get off of Tatooine, though. Like, let's yes, we, we talked about this. Bring me like, somewhere else. You got, you got to yeah. stop going back to Tatooine for everything. You can't, you can't have shows that start off somewhere else and then like, oh, magically we're back on Tatooine again. There, it's, it's, it's a galaxy far, far away. There are a ton of planets. Let's go somewhere else, please. For sure. So I'm excited for this. I'm excited for Miss Marvel. Um, there's been a good run of TV. I will be talking about the Halo show in our pop culture section at the end of this episode. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. So, yeah, keep an eye out for all that. Uh, let's move on to our other thing, which is real quick. <laughs> I wanted to uh, help our podcast producer, Ben Elman, out because he has been on a quest to buy a new MacBook Pro for uh, i think as long as i've known you ben like you keep talking about uh, yeah i mean it's so. it, like pretty yeah. close to as long as we've been working together um and then i was basically waiting for i was thinking okay maybe you know like macbook pro 2019 
Um, but I didn't really have enough money. And then like the pandemic hit and all that stuff that ended up becoming a lower priority. They announced M1. I was like, okay, cool. Like, it seems, let's see what happens with a M1 MacBook Pro. Because previously, it was just M1 in the MacBook Air. And then they just announced MacBook Pro. Pro the M1 Pro and the M1 yes, Max M1 Pro yeah, M1 Max uh MacBook Pros uh in what was it November of last year October November mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. last year and so I've been saving up throughout I've been um you know I saved my stimulus I've been saving a little bit every month I'm doing well I was trying to figure out what credit card to put this on because a lot of credit cards <laughs> have those introductory deals of spend x amount of money the question is is this the best thing for me to get? I would like yes. to ask the chat right now, if I weren't to get a M1 MacBook Pro, what else would I get? I also put it to you gentlemen that I'm talking with. Yeah, I mean, uh, my my immediate suggestion, that was basically because I saw a bunch of Amazon deals that hit this week. So anybody looking for a MacBook Pro, I don't know if those sales are still up, but they basically took 200 bucks off um, the 14-inch and the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Um, Ben was interested in going straight to the 16. I feel like if you're working in timelines, if you need a lot of screen real estate, that makes sense. Uh, the real question is like, how much Ram do you get? Oh yeah. You know, is the M1 max upgrade even worth it? I do feel like, uh, well, I'm not, M1 max go- is yeah. a big, big, I'm yeah, not going for M1 max. Price the, the thing that we were talking about is whether or not 16 or 30 gigs of Ram made more sense. You were yeah. like, you'd be very happy with 16. I said that I'd like 30 just to cover all my bases because sure, when you are sure. a media producer sometimes you go where um the wind takes you uh my best example of this is uh adam ragusia do you know about this mm-hmm. guy on youtube he makes cooking uh, videos I, like, I do I, I watch all his videos so sam do you know where adam ragusia came from do you know what he was doing for work he used to be uh, a radio guy uh-huh um, I, I can't remember if it was npr but he was a radio guy yeah so he worked for a couple npr stations then he moved down to georgia to work at a university mm-hmm. um and so he was like the like journalism professor in residence at um I do not remember what university. I can't look it up right now, but it was it was Macon. I okay. was in Macon, Georgia. I don't know what schools are around there. Okay, yeah. so Adam Ragusia moved to Macon, Georgia, to be a journalism professor down there. While he was doing that, he decided, you know, maybe I'll just brush up on my video skills and I'll start making cooking videos. That's what he does full time now. He mm-hmm. has. I think more than a million subscribers to his YouTube channel. So the thing that I find interesting about this is that if I wanted to move into something else, maybe not drop radio entirely, but use videos. You want to be the next Adam Ragusea? Well, (laughs) if I wanted to use videos (laughs) as a way of promoting my radio work, if I wanted to make high quality TikToks or something, um, you, you, people are making those things on much, much lower spec machines. Uh, yes, right? okay. Maybe, <laughs> yes, TikToks so. were not a good example. But if I wanted to move to more high-quality videos, um, I think that it would be good to cover all my bases, have that more RAM. Yes, I'd well, be so paying for, the Apple tax for more for RAM, context, but whatever. Here is the extra context, which I, I, I need to make clear, and I'm just looking at the 16-inch the pricing now. So... 
if you want, I'm just going to spec this out. So here's the thing. And the, the Amazon stuff is still on sale. You could get 200 bucks off of the 16-inch MacBook Pro, the 10-core model, 16-core GPU, 16 gigabytes of RAM for $2,300. That's $200 off. Um, if you were to add... To, if you were to go to 32 gigabytes of RAM uh, on the on that same system, mm-hmm. that would cost $2,900 because that's not on sale on Amazon. So you'd be paying at normal Apple price yep. plus the upgrade. So I'm a practical guy and I can think of so many more things you could do in your life. Like if you end up becoming uh, the, the video pro that you m- may see yourself as being Ben, like, and I tell this to everybody plan ahead for a couple of years with your system. But if you end up like needing something completely different, it is not that hard to sell your computer. Like you, you upgrade, you move on. Uh, but that would be my advice, especially I come from the experience of like helping people buy a lot of computers as an IT guy too. Uh, Sam, any thoughts? Um, so I always try to get as much RAM as I can afford. The thing is that, like, obviously, because uh, RAM prices for Apple machines are a lot higher, it's not like you have a you know Windows PC and you can just throw some more sticks of RAM in there. And so that always makes it challenging. My question is, I'm kind of going to come at this at a different angle, is that uh, you already have a laptop. Would you consider buying a Mac Studio? Because that way you do get 32 gigs of RAM base and you have an uh, as good or even better processor and you can still have your laptop for when you need to be on the move. Let's let's be clear here. Ben's laptop is ten years old. <laughs> yeah, I okay. have a twenty twelve. Ben needs MacBook a new laptop. Pro. Ben needs yeah, a new I laptop. A new la- right. I would in, in need that a case, new laptop. Period. <laughs> in that case, just yeah, just, get, get, <laughs> just go get for the 32, it. 32 gigs of RAM uh, and just bite it. Uh, bite the price. Yeah. and that's what I've been saying since I've been putting money away. It's not. It's in a totally separate account. I don't even see mm-hmm. where that money goes. <laughs> Um, when I put my little bit away every month. So to me, that money is already spent. I was totally okay with not getting this Amazon deal that just popped up because I've been so focused, so um, tunnel vision on this. Also, and if if you're actually keeping a laptop for 10 years then you you'll you'll get a return on your money because that's that's <laughs> twice as long as even like most people dream of keeping a laptop and so yeah absolutely it's twice as know. long Would as some people keep their marriages <laughs> yeah, yeah for many any other things uh okay i guess ben is going for 32 gigs i mean i will i am just like hey i have a lot of functions when it comes to determining value and everything so you have crossed over the line of like good value but it's going to certainly last you a long time uh yeah let's hope ben gets to order his thing soon and folks if you have questions about buying a laptop or a phone or whatever shoot us an email at podcast and we'd love to help you like step through things uh this is one of my favorite things to do so excuse this tangent but i think it's a lot of fun let's move on to what we've been working on uh i'll shout out my stuff uh, i'm working on an irl a story about uh my current uh my new car the chrysler pacifica hybrid the 2018 model and the story around that has changed quite a bit because that thing is currently under recall so i can't even use oh, the ev no. function that i spent months testing on that freaking car um i have a lot of thoughts about it, though like as a car i really enjoy it as a family car it's really nice i just 
with gas creeping up to $5 around me now, it's like, I, I would love to just plug this in again. Um, so I'll be writing that up for next week. I'm also working on a review of the Paramount Plus Halo show. I'll talk more about that in our pop culture section. Sam, what are you working on? Uh, so Motorola announced the Edge Plus a little while back, and uh, that's coming in. So stay tuned for a review on that next week. Um, it's kind of, you know, for anyone who missed it, it's kind of like uh, more affordable, not quite budget, but more affordable take on the Galaxy Note. And so it comes with, uh, you know, it has active style of support and you get a lot of handwriting recognitions. But unlike the Galaxy Note line or, you know, Galaxy S22 Ultra, it there's no onboard stylus storage. So you kind of have to get a case. And so it's a little, oh a little more God. awkward. What are you doing? I know. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand it. If you... My my feeling is that if a device supports a pen and you want you a company wants people to use the stylus or the pen, put a storage slot on it or make magnetic or something. Make sure whatever that you know you're not going to lose the pen and it's always there with you. Um, but it does start at eight hundred to nine hundred dollars depending on like promotional pricing, which is you know three hundred four hundred dollars less than a Galaxy S twenty two Ultra. So yes, more affordable, still not quite cheap, but. You know, Motorola has seemed to be leaning into this like, hey, we're going to start making more phones with styluses because for a long time, Samsung was the only company that was doing it. So, sure, hey, sure. that's nice. I mean, I hope Motorola starts making better phones. I do miss seeing some of those Moto devices. Uh, what else are you working on, Sam? Um, I got some some new laptops in. Uh, we were talking about the Asus Z Flow uh, 13, which is, you know, short uh, keep short and sweet. It's kind of a Surface Pro for gamers, which is a really gaming tablet. Yeah, it's a really yeah. interesting idea. But I, the design is really interesting. It's got a little see-through. I, I love plastic see-through design stuff. It's like very '90s in a way that I love. Um, in the back, and you know, putting that much performance in like a tablet form factor is like, oh man, suddenly like you know, you bring a, you put a controller in your backpack and you can game. You play Forza Horizon in great, like, high-fidelity graphics wherever you want. And that's, you know, kind of interesting. Yeah. I'd be interested in seeing your review, Sam. Like, I benchmarked a prototype of that thing around CES. And also handle is like, I, it feels bad as a tablet. It feels like a really, really it's, bad it, tablet. Oh, it's definitely that, chunky. Yeah. It's it's a big boy. It's too big. And uh, even the Surface, like, you can make it lappable, right? Like, you can balance it on your lap, do some typing and stuff. It's way too top heavy, but yes, it, yeah, I want to see what your final things are. Yeah, yeah, if you're not using it on a desk, it's like, oh, this could fall over at any moment. It's a disaster. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I'm looking forward to that and uh, a lot of cool benchmarks from that one from Sam. Around in Gadget, uh, we've got some other stuff. Uh, just want to shout out, uh, we have an article on how to recycle your used and unwanted gadgets, which is a question we get a lot. And uh, this is a good guide from Chris Nottis about like, you know, your many, many resources. Um, check that out. I know Best Buy is taking a lot of things for folks. There's always re- electronic recycling. Yeah, I, I have like a uh, stack in, many, many in, in my place mm-hmm. of like things that I want to recycle because we're, you know, we're constantly, I'm constantly changing out gear. And so every three or four months, I'll make a trip over to Best Buy. And Best Buy is pretty good about taking most stuff. They do charge you to recycle monitors and TVs, though. So that's one thing you should know. That uh, that makes sense. I try to like hand down old monitors and stuff, mm-hmm. like uh, or TVs even. Like people people like these things. Okay, let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. Uh, Sam, what's up on your end? Yeah, so I haven't been watching as much TV, but I have been playing Triangle Strategy uh, on the Switch. 
I I can't believe they didn't change that name. <laughs> like I I swear to God, I can't yeah. decide what's worse, Octopath Traveler, which is kind of like yeah. the spiritual predecessor to this, or Triangle Strategy. I mean, I don't care because I am a, like SRPG tactics strategy game nut, um, and so I'll play anything. And same, yeah. I've been having I'm uh, pretty much at the end of the game, and I've been having a blast with it. The one thing that anyone should know is that it's very much a slow burn. It's really text heavy. It's, you know, very much like Final Fantasy Tactics in that it's like this grand political opera. And there's like, you know, three different countries and factions like warring uh, between each other. And there's a lot of branching routes. So like, you know, there's three or four different endings uh, depending on, you know, decisions that you make during the game. And there's a new game plus but there's a lot of just like exposition and just like dialogue in between. Like I was getting like maybe one battle every 45 <laughs> minutes. And so like forewarning, like just yeah. be prepared. There's it's, it's a slow burn. I am. I, I played the demo for that and that is freely available. And I like almost wiped my entire party in the first <laughs> battle. And I was like, this game is rough. It's, it's it methodical and hard you. mode is legitimately like one wrong move like people die in two hits on hard mode and so you really have to be like oh <laughs> and are you playing hard mode no I, I tried that for a little bit and you luckily you can switch difficulties on the fly i tried hard mode to see what's up and it's like this is too tedious for me i uh i don't have time to like carefully map out eight turns ahead of me like i like the challenge of normal mode uh hard mode is it's just like i, I want to get through and play more battles and hard mode makes things take longer I like the I like the look and feel of this uh, squares like HD two D thing. I, I love uh, it. So it like, there's some shots where like you get the pixel uh, kind of the sprites in front, and then you get this like gorgeous like bokeh in the back, and it's like uh, it's you know someone who grew up playing you know sixteen bit games uh, in like all the classics like Chrono Trigger. And I love the art style. It's one of my favorite things. Absolutely. It's a uh, oh man. Speaking of like Final Fantasy Tactics, you can buy that on pretty much every platform now. It's even on iPhone mm-hmm. and iPad. And I'm just waiting for them. Like, just you're remaking everything, guys. Either remake it or give me like a fully formed sequel. Uh, oh man, I, I would love like a stuff. real sequel yeah. to Final Fantasy Tactics for Switch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or if you if you do the remake, like give us the the deleted story. You know, give us the story of the other side character, main character, and uh, different perspective or something. I, yeah. and, and later this year, there's going to be uh, a Metal Slug Tactics game, which yep. is like yep. kind of wild to me. But I am like, that's I'm really looking forward to that one. Looks beautiful. Uh, what else? What else is up with you, Sam? Um, and for TV, uh, the new season of Top Chef is, you know, Ben mentioned Adam Agrusia. The new season of Top Chef is out season 19. <laughs> uh, Bravo is kind of like a trash channel to me because they have like all the Real Housewives stuff. But yes. Top Chef is still like unquestionably <laughs> to me the best. It's still going strong. The best cooking show on yeah. TV. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. There are only two episodes in so far, but. You know, I'm already like trying to pick like who am I going to root for? Uh, there's an, there's an Asian guy named Sam. So I was like, okay, I can't. You know, he's obviously like going to get a little support from me, but you know, we'll see who else. Yeah, I like Top Chef. It's I was always more into Iron Chef before, and it always felt like a slightly lamer Iron Chef. Yeah. But I mean, I, I know, we could talk for hours stuff. about Iron Chef Japan. Yeah. Uh, that was like mm-hmm. a, a holy grail of like cooking shows to me. Um, I amazing I preferred over iron chef america but yeah absolutely the sheer drama of iron chef japan was really really good <laughs> yeah yeah 
All right, let's move on to uh, some of my stuff. Uh, speaking of games, actually, I've been playing Tunic, which just came out, and that is a cute, like, little Zelda-like fox game. So, just wanted to shout that out. That is on Game Pass right now. The art style for it that is, is incredible. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's like I always prefer sprites, but it is a very nice, like, uh, almost cell shaded polyg- polygonal style, and very much like Elden Ring, which I'm also playing, but very much like not telling you things. Uh, so you have to explore the world and do a lot of things. So I'm really enjoying that. I've also seen the first couple episodes of Halo, the new Paramount Plus show, which premiered at uh, South by this week. Um, I, you got to tell me because I'm, I'm so curious. Mm-hmm. We've, been, we've been hearing about a Halo potential Halo TV show for so long, and now it's actually happening. So and I don't even know what to think anymore. It's been in the works for over a decade at this point. Uh, Steven Spielberg is still attached as a producer, and uh, I hear like he's looked at some of these things. It is a really weird show because. Um, First of all, it starts, the very first scene is about rebels, uh, people who are, like, fighting against the UNSC, which I believe was, that was a concept in the games, like, they have mentioned rebels before. But what's really interesting is that we really have the perspective of the rebels at first, and specifically one rebel girl. Um, And the UNSC is presented as, like, a straight-up, like, military dictatorship, which they always were, but now it's more like Starship Troopers, where it's like, yeah, this bad. This government so they, is they real bad. Like, the perspective on its head, because usually it's like they're talking exactly. about UNSC versus like, let's take down the aliens or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that part is interesting. Uh, and it's not a kid's show. Like there is a uh, the was it the the aliens appear. I forget the names now, um, but they appear uh, in that rebel community and just wipe everybody out. And there are heads exploding <laughs> and like people like it is gory as hell wow. and super violent. Uh, and then the Spartans show up and they, uh, they kick ass, but it's also like, there's some stuff. I think the action is pretty basic and pretty like satisfying, but it's also like very CG heavy at times because of, uh, because of the covenant, uh, CG aliens, you know, and because, uh, a lot of the Master Chief stuff and other Spartans, like a lot of their stuff is CG. If they're jumping um, or just like maneuvering a lot, uh, it feels a little weightless. I like Pablo Schreiber as Master Chief. Um, he's like good, good voice work, good like physicality to him. But the writing in the show is kind of all over the place and not so great. Uh, I appreciate the perspe- this perspective change, though. Um, slight. Not even a spoiler, but like the show basically becomes the Mandalorian uh, within the first episode. So uh, I was, was going to ask, how do they really, ha- handle the helmet on, helmet off situation? I mean, I will I will put a spoiler warning up here now for anybody who cares. But helmet is off by <laughs> oh, the end of the okay. first episode. That, that, like, I mean, that's just like, weird to me, but yeah, he is just straight up like talking, you know, with his face, and uh, it, get, it gets even more so like over those of the second episode. So they're not doing the Mandalorian thing where it's like gospel. Um, although in the games, we never really got to see his face. So that is a thing. Uh, I wish the writing were better. You know, I wish like a lot of the characters didn't feel like stock sci-fi people. I'll be writing up this uh, as a review. Um, it's not like terrible. And it's just weird. It's coming at a weird time, science fiction television, because it's like you've got the Mandalorian out there. You've got Book of Boba Fett. You've got Foundation on Apple TV Plus. Right. You've got The Expanse. And these are all like really smart, interesting shows. Foundation, maybe not so much, but Foundation just looks so good that you're like, fine, it's it's a fun watch. This show kind of looks cheap at times. Uh, it's not super well written, so it's almost it like it seems been like in development for so long that they didn't have time to like update it to like where modern sci-fi TV show standards are. I don't know. I don't know. I think the people work at like actually writing it and producing like it, that was not the full ten year span, so they have had time to do it. But 
if the show had come out like five years ago, I think we would have been like, oh, this is really interesting. Like, look at what Paramount Plus is doing. Whereas now it's like you've got Mandalorian out there giving you like a full, like almost big budget Star Wars adventure every week, you know, and it looks fantastic. So it's just really hard to compete with that. Thoughts on expectations. Uh, This will be premiering on Paramount Plus. First episode, Thursday, March 24th. Keep an eye out for my review over at Engadget. Thanks for joining us, folks. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find me online at at Devendra on Twitter. I also podcast about movies and TV at the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. And you can find Sam at... On Twitter at Sam Rutherford. All right. Yeah, give Sam a shout. Uh, give Sam a follow for sure. Uh, you can email us at podcastandgadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. Thanks, folks. We're out. <laughs>